Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about putting away your dice, taking off your wizard hat, and finally going outside for a change. Don't forget your sunscreen. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. And today we'll be talking about playing games in unusual spaces, and which games are best for transporting. No, we played The Extraordinary Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Yeah, we did. It was pretty good. Yeah, I think we might end up talking a little bit about that later. Yeah, So okay. Because I think that that fits in really nicely with part of our topic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah, so last time we talked about playing Dr. Magnet Hands at the Not Bachelor Party for our friend. And today maybe we'll talk a little bit about playing The Extraordinary Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Uh which we played at the reception for the wedding of the same friend. Yeah, so uh, congratulations, Rob. It was a it's a very lightweight storytelling game. Um, I was talking to my roommate afterwards, and she was saying that she kind of felt like she had wish that she wished she had time to plan things. And <laughs> I don't disagree, but. It's definitely part of the game that you don't have time to plan. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think there's a real good possibility that The Extraordinary Adventures of Baron Munchausen is something that will come up a couple of times in this. So maybe yeah. we should just break it down right now because we know we're going to be coming back to it. Yeah, sure. You kind of all... Well, why don't you explain the story? Sure. So you are playing as fancy noble people that are waiting for your dear friend, Baron Munchausen. And during the time that you're waiting for him, you start just kind of bandying stories back and forth and telling all of these extraordinary tales that you've had. Because, of course, Baron Munchausen is the most adventurous folk around. And so you want to kind of get into the feel of telling stories with him for when he comes. Yeah. Well, and also, he's like the number one adventurer. Oh, yeah. You guys are all like number two yeah so you want to get your stories out now while he's not there to to one-up you and so you have tokens and people around the table will request a story from you and you are given two seconds to take a drink of your alcoholic beverage um should you be playing that way and then you say ah yes and you begin your story and it's good you just kind of have to keep talking and then while you're telling this story, which can go on for as long or as short as you would like it to, people can spend their tokens to change facts about your story, and you can choose to either take the token and incorporate the facts, or buy the token off to keep the facts the way you established them, which is kind of, um, it reminded me of Fate, but because that's a, that's a system in Fate where you can, you can buy off compels, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it felt very much like that. And and so it was very easy usually to to just take the token and work the things into the uh, work the new facts into the story. Oh yeah. Um, we my favorite was you had you were telling a story about how you engaged a group of pirates and someone said that they weren't pirates they were refugees and then I said oh and they were just women and children and then someone else said no no no, no they're just children and then suddenly your story of, of valiantly fighting pirates became you valiantly <laughs> fighting refugee children yeah so you or something like that yeah the the game really i think hits what it's trying to do if you can get the group of people on board with it 
We had, yeah. we had a lot of banter and side talk, I think, because Rob and I were both there. Yeah. Um, But it was all in-character side talk, and I feel like if you get into it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was good. We were kind of sitting in an awkward space, and I wish we had been around a table. It probably would have been nice to be around a table, just so that everyone has their drink right in front of them and their tokens more available. Or at least, I was sitting on the floor. <laughs> I wish I hadn't been sitting on the floor. <laughs> Maybe maybe that is what you're wishing. I was on a couch. I was fine. Uh, have you played any other games other than that? Not really. I received today in the mail my 7th C 2nd edition core rulebook. Oh, I'm excited for and that. I'm pretty excited. I haven't even sat... In, I haven't even... I opened the bo- the box to look at the artwork on the front, but I haven't even pulled the plastic off to open it up and read it. I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. Uh, I got a chance to play Dungeon World without a GM. Uh, and kind of as we predicted, it was what we'd originally talked about was playing it with a group of people. And I actually ended up doing a, uh, two person game, a lone wolf with, uh, Mm -hmm. Jeff from party of one. So that's going to be on party of one, one of these days, Cool. uh, which is a great podcast about two people playing games together. And we played GM less and it worked pretty flawlessly. I'm going to be wanting to mess around with that some more. So just like a little retrospective on episode one. Going into this episode, we're probably going to be talking about a lot of different games. And to the best of our ability, we'll try to summarize those games, especially because looking at this list, you've pulled out a bunch of games that I haven't heard of. But we are never going to really have enough time to fully go into detail about any game. And so if you're ever wondering how a game is played if, or you want to dive into the rules more deeply, uh, I recommend checking out the show notes or anywhere the show notes appear, like the blog or on Facebook. You can uh, look up, you can find the show notes from there. Uh, and they will always have a big list of, of the games that we talk about in the episode. We do this for every episode. So anytime you hear us mention a game, you can go find the link to where you can buy it, where you can look it up, where you can talk to people about it. And if you ever, we ever miss something, let us know and we'll get you that link. Absolutely. And if you want to chat about a game, also feel free to hit us up. I love chatting about these games. And I haven't played all of these games, but I've read all of the ones that I posted. Yeah. Our list of games to play is getting a little out of hand. It's getting really out of hand. It's gotten to a point, Rob, who just got married, friend of the show, was asking me about a game mechanic and I said, oh, here are four games that have that game mechanic. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay, have you played any of them? And I said, I played one of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting to the point where the number of game books I own uh, for games that I haven't played yet is bigger than the, the list of the library of game books that I have for games that I have played. This is a call for help. Someone please yeah. help. Today we're going to talk, we're going to talk about Playing games in unusual places. We're probably talking about this because we need to find more places and times to play games. <laughs> because help us this backlog. <laughs> yeah. But also, we've been um, in places that were a little bit unusual, like a beach or yes. just non-standard game places. Um, because we find ourselves together with friends in those places a little bit more than around a table these days. Yeah, Absolutely. And so we thought it would be cool to do an episode to talk about games that were either designed to be played in non-standard gaming situations 
or ways to tweak games to play them in those same situations. Right, and we're not talking about playing games online. We know that there's tons of people who play games online. We both play games online in a bunch of different formats. Yep. Uh, this is when you are in the meet space with people. So the first location that you wanted to talk about was uh, playing games in a car. Yes. Uh, this one, I think, is an important one to talk about because... We have a whole bunch of people that just got back from Gen Con, and now when they listen to this episode, they get to think about their long car ride and go, oh, if only I'd traveled forward in time and listened to Stop Hack and Roll's episode before going on that road trip. We're friends with a lot of pod, uh, podcasters that are also time travelers. <laughs> so, yeah. It's really common. You'd be surprised how much crossover <laughs> there is. It's an enormous amount of crossover. So the thing that I want to look at in terms of driving in a car is there's two big features of a car that are not at a table. The first is there's not a great place to roll dice. And the second is that the driver cannot or should not have a book or character sheet or be rolling dice or be manipulating anything. I don't know if I'd call those features, but they're facets. Yeah, pieces of the situation that mean that yeah. you have to play the game differently. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I don't think anyone is breaking out their 4th edition D&D and putting down miniatures while yeah. and even if you, going down um, 95. Even if you aren't driving, cars aren't exactly the greatest place for rolling dice either. Or even reading. Uh, a lot of people get very sick when they try to read in a car, even for short amounts yeah. of time. So yeah. luckily, I know of two games that are designed mm -hmm. to be played in cars. The first I want to talk about is Ribbon Drive by Avery McDaldno. Uh, Avery McDonald knows a name that should be familiar to a lot of people um, who've played Monster Hearts. Uh, I know she also has a game about the post-apocalypse, but I can never remember the name of it. Ribbon Drive is a game about taking a road trip. It actually, I'm seeing now that I'm looking at it, that it says, we do this in the comfort of a living room over the course of three to five hours. <laughs> but I feel like even better would be to do this in the comfort of a air-conditioned car over three to five hours. What's really cool about it is ahead of time, you create a mixtape or a playlist or whatever you want to do to provide the music to you. And then as you're taking your car ride, you play out scenes of your character going forward. So kind of think like a little Miss Sunshine sort of feel. Although I also think this could be really good for like rockers on the road that's what i immediately thought of with ribbon drive mm -hmm. and the way that the mechanics work is when you're not sure how something goes you stop talking for a moment and you listen to the music and based upon what the music is doing what the lyrics are you resolve whatever action you're mm -hmm. having trouble with that's interesting it's real interpretive it's real light it's real story driven uh, it's like a step away from past the stick, but I think it's a step away from past the stick in a really cool way. Yeah. I don't think it would probably work for everything. Uh, I think dungeon delving using ribbon drives, probably not <laughs> ideal. Uh, Attack the goblin. I want to know what love say. is. The goblin wants to love you. Show me. And now, the goblin wants to show you where the hidden door is. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, but I think that for something that is more emotionally based or more just life based, yeah. it could be really nice. 
Mm-hmm. I want to play this next time we go on a big road trip. Yeah, that could be fun. It's on my list of games I want to play. Jason Morningstar's Out of Dodge is a four-person LARP about about people in a car. Is it really LARPing if it's true? Well, it's not really. It's You're not just in a car. You're in a Dodge. You're in a Dodge. Basically, what it is, is you are people that have just committed a crime. For example, mm-hmm. held up a bank. And you are basically getting out so one person is the getaway driver one person is the guy who got shot uh and you're splitting up the money that you made while at the same time dealing with the fact that i think toad is the guy's name toad got shot and i don't know a whole lot else about it i actually have not run this i haven't read all of it because i didn't want to ruin anything for it for when Mm -hmm. i do play it but it's, I think, an hour or two hours. So it's a nice light one, too. A nice short one, at least. Yeah. And you get to be like a like a Guy Ritchie movie or a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> I can see how the driver might end up driving too fast, though. In real life. That is a concern. <laughs> you want to be sure that the person driving, with any game that you're playing while driving, you want to be sure that yeah. the person's being safe. Yeah, I just kind of had some general thoughts about playing games in cars. Okay. Um, I mean, besides the obvious that the driver can't have a sheet, mm-hmm. the driver can't really be rolling dice because the driver needs to be responsible uh, and drive. Um, yeah, please put put safety first. I was looking. I'm, I'm always been. I've been one of the things that I sort of generally thought about for this episode was ways to replace dice yes and some of the things i was thinking about for doing that in a car would be using things like what's the last digit of the odometer okay in the car right now or what's the first digit in the first license plate you see when you look around you okay that that makes a ton of sense i'm gonna jump ahead a tiny bit the show system mastery they talked about using a stopwatch while walking around. Yeah, and that's going to be a recurring theme. I think. I think it is, too. I think in a car, ideally, the person driving isn't looking for numbers, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although, pretty easy to glance down at the odometer. True. But so, so same... But a passenger could easily do that, too. Yeah. Uh, another game that I think we can highlight a little bit for in a car is uh, Millennial Apartment Hunters by James D'Amato. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a game about basically trying to find an apartment in a horrific situation of not having enough money but needing to live in a city. And it has essentially three roles. The apartment hunter, the realtor, and the and a helper. And the driver would be an ideal role for the helper because they're someone who's just kind of adding flavor to scenes without necessarily doing any of the mechanics involved or needing to remember everything. They can just add to the RP and kind of just be in the conversation. Well, I did listen to... I haven't played it, but I did listen to the one shot about it. I don't remember there being a ton of dice rolling in that either. There is no dice rolling. It's um okay. based upon drawing uh, oh. little tokens out of a bag. Oh, yeah. So it would definitely be easy. Yeah. It wouldn't be a thing that the driver could do, but it would be something that someone could do for the driver. Yeah, and if you've got a car full of geeks that want to play a role-playing game while driving... 
somebody's got a bag that has dice that you could draw out. Yeah. I also put a little note here about public transit. Um, don't. Please. Like, I, I could totally see people playing games on public transit and just being loud. Hmm. And that would make me... That would upset me if I were not a gamer. While we were planning for this episode, I did post on the RPG subreddit and asked some people about weird places they had played games. And I did get a couple people, uh, and I'll be sort of referencing some of those conversations that I had with people Great. Um, through this through the episode. Uh, but I definitely had a couple people say they had played on a train. Uh, it sounded like it probably wasn't like a subway, more like a longer term train. And they did talk about being quiet and trying not to draw too much attention to themselves. Yeah. But the one person said that they definitely like had some people notice that they were doing something weird and start paying attention to them. But those people seemed kind of curious more than upset. Yeah. So I would say use discretion. Yeah. My main thing was just don't be loud and annoying because, yeah. you know, gamers have these terrible stereotypes about us and we're yeah. better than that. So we got to be better than that. I think that will be another reoccurring theme we talk about this episode. <laughs> is be better than is that. that. When you're not in when you're not in the the safety and privacy of your own home, be respectful of the people around you. Exactly. Don't which I don't think is too hard. And some obvious things. Don't crash your car. Don't be unsafe. Yeah. Don't get heated and angry and road ragey. Yep. And that's across the board. Yeah. Don't take over a train. Don't take over a train. Um, do not and I think don't LARP something with illegal elements oh yeah god no Ugh. or maybe don't LARP in an airport maybe don't play ever. shadow run on a train yeah yeah I had a professor in college who I don't know if this is really relevant <laughs> I'm just gonna say it in <laughs> okay. case it is um I had a professor in college um who who said as one of their like bizarre professorial words of wisdom that a an airport runway would be a great place to have a rave and and what they meant by that it was a film professor okay and so what they and what they were trying to get at was that like try to look at things in new and different ways like yes the purpose of this strip of of roadway is to launch planes into the air but also it would be good for a party and and kind of always to examine the world around you and see secret other places or other things, other uses. And that's what we're doing, but don't have a rave on an airport runway. Yeah. Unless you're a so pilot or it's abandoned. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go into an but airport getting out of your house, pilot how to getting, do things. Getting out of your house and using the real world around you to represent just different settings, I think can be helpful, which is one of the reasons why we're kind of talking about this topic. Uh, and, and that actually will go right. that'll go nicely into our next location, I think, which is getting outside, going hiking, playing outdoors, playing while camping. I think that we could even stick the beach in with this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's definitely a a reason that the classic kind of LARPing stereotype is people running around with boffer weapons in the woods because fantasy settings tend to be in wooded like places. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so you can definitely help, even if you aren't going to dress up and make fake foam swords, you can definitely like lean on the the setting of actually being in the setting to help bolster your situation and your role playing. Yeah, I'm thinking especially that if you could play some kind of horror out in the woods in a cabin while out in the woods in a cabin, yeah. that's great. Yeah, yeah. I definitely had one person say that on Reddit that they uh, they played in their, their friend's cabin and they played some horror games and it was really creepy. We should totally play Dread next time we're up at uh, my wife's family's property. Yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> thoughts related to outdoor playing well immediately you run into the same problems as being in a car you don't really have flat spaces to roll dice on Mm -hmm. um you have probably fewer spaces because unlike a car or public transit where you're kind of in a vehicle that you're bringing with you when you're hiking you're or moving around outside you're moving and frequently not bringing the ground with you right and you might not have your lap if you are actively yeah. hiking. So you had written in the notes that you can't put things down. And I said, well, you can put things down once, but then if you move on, they're gone. Yeah, exactly. So, so some of it, some of it is a you, little you bit, lose a lot of dice. Some of it is a little bit different. If you are, for example, at a picnic table. Yeah. Uh, in which case, sure. Bust out all your stuff. Yeah. Some people that I talked to on Reddit said, that they had made some really nice wooden dice rolling trays. Okay. And that was what they used when they went uh, camping or were on a beach. And that's really like a, a pretty easy way to to solve that problem. If you want to stick with dice-based games, uh, certainly there are websites that sell them. Or if you've got some woodworking skills, slapping together a little tray or dice thing. I mean, you can go to Michael's and get a little box with a lid on it for less than $6. Yeah, buy some dice on Amazon, and the box that they come in will probably be good. Yeah, um, so that's an option if you're sitting down, but if you're hiking, if you're actually moving around. Yeah, it's not as easy to carry a tray. We talked a little bit about uh, using a stopwatch, and I think that this works best for a system that everyone is pretty comfortable with and doesn't have a ton of complexity. Yeah. So I'm thinking not D&D 4th Edition, not D&D 5th edition, not Pathfinder, but maybe like 1st edition D&D. Well, not 1st edition, 2nd edition. The edition that people actually play. I think you could play 3rd um, edition or Pathfinder. As long as you knew the rules well enough that you wouldn't be, have to be constantly looking things up. I don't think that system is so complex. Yeah, Or at least that you couldn't dumb down some of the rules, like skim over skills. Yeah, I mean, like, the big thing is you have to, amusingly, given that I got this from System Mastery, have System Mastery. If you've been playing D&D for a decade, then you probably know enough that you're able to run it. Yeah, or have someone willing to sort of either keep walking while opening a book and looking things up, or looking things up on their phone, or stopping, but that's awkward. You don't want to do that. I also think that you could do something like a really stripped down Powered by the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. That you just do the 6 minus 7 to 9, 10 plus. Um, and so we had pulled out some games that you could play. One of the things that someone on on um, on Reddit had suggested was a game called Sherpa by Stefan O'Sullivan. And 
we we briefly looked at it. It still looks pretty complicated. It looks hard. It seems it looked hard. <laughs> it's it's in but it but it definitely involves having set like set numbers for stats. Then the GM assigns you a a skill modifier for how difficult the skill is. And then it had a like token system where they suggested you could use stones. And they had a and they had a stopwatch also for it for randomness. Yeah. And it's definitely a system that looks like if you want to play D&D and you miss that sort of crunchiness, but you want to have a game that's aimed a little bit more towards uh, playing while you're walking or hiking, that's definitely what this is. Yeah, and I can I can see it. I think in my heart, though, I would just play D&D. Like, yeah. I've played D&D for long enough that I can tell you a rapier does 1d6 damage. I don't need to check yeah. that. So, so Sherpa wasn't exactly a system for either of us, but we'll include it in the links, and it's definitely something that looks like definitely doable. Oh yeah, it looks like a fine playable game and everything like that, just not exactly what I'm looking for personally. Okay, so the next thing I came up with for hiking or camping or outdoorsy times is the terrible RPG. Are you familiar with this one? No, I was not pronouncing it that way either and now i get the joke yeah yeah it's funny it's terrible as in able to be torn but also it's it's funny it's a joke (laughs) okay so tell me about it okay uh there is a gm you establish a setting and you have a goal and basically each player writes down six skills their character is proficient with and when they, and when certain things happen, they have to make a tear. If you take any damage, physical, mental, or emotional, you have to tear, and you have to remove at least one letter from the skill. Hmm. And basically, once you run out of that skill, I think you can no longer use that skill. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And if you have no skills left, you are knocked out, killed, driven insane whatever it is and uh that's it yeah i liked your note that that's definitely a game that should be played where you're throwing the pieces of paper into a fire oh yeah absolutely. not littering uh that is that is one to play around the campfire that's a terrible rpg from triple t publishing uh yeah i'm also thinking if you played reflections uh from jim mcclure mm. where you rip the paper in half yeah then you get to throw that into a fire so really and it- any game where you get to throw things into a fire, yeah, really tops. That's that's what you should do if you're camping. Uh, speaking of that, while I was talking to people on Reddit, I got to talk to Sean Smith, who told me about his the game he had designed for a 200 word uh, RPG contest called Slay You Imperfect Speakers, and it's a game that is specifically designed to be played around a campfire. And mostly involves characters that are a name, a thing that they're good at, and a a grief or grievance, something that drives them. Okay. And the mechanic you use is either you have to just spend time to accomplish a task, you accomplish a task quickly because it's the thing that you're good at, or you play rock, paper, scissors <laughs> with the GM, which I liked. And and I like I really liked it. He tweaked the game of rock paper scissors a little bit, so that when you lose, you can't throw out the same uh, rock paper or scissors that you threw that time until you've won. 
So if you throw out a rock and lose, you can't throw a rock out again until you win. Okay. So eventually you would just run out of things you could throw and you would just be screwed. Well, you wouldn't be able to, you would just not be able to, to, to try to solve conflicts that way. And then minions and stuff like that basically always have to solve conflicts through rock, paper, scissors. And uh, they will only have one sign they can throw out. And so obviously once you're, once you figured that out, you can kind of defeat them quickly. Okay. That makes sense. uh, the, The setting was kind of in the woods fighting a coven of evil witches and the witches then can use any sign they want. And the game is is like like less than a page long, uh, and it's yeah, it's pretty cool. I liked it. looked It looked good. It looked like it's mostly a storytelling game, uh, where with a light rock paper scissors mechanic underneath it. <laughs> um, but it looked pretty good. It would definitely be a thing I would try. You know, for that matter, you could play any setting you want with mm-hmm. rock paper scissors as a mechanic. It yeah. might not be super satisfying. Although, actually, you know what? No. Um, White Wolf. Rock paper scissors. White Wolf had their uh, theater of the mind version that's like a little LARPy and you walk around with a pack of cards in your pocket or something. Mm-hmm. I'll admit, I'm not very familiar with White Wolf, uh, except for a couple of White Wolf muds that I played back in the day. Uh, but I think you just draw a card from 1 to 10, and you could totally do that while hiking. Yeah. Although, I have no idea how someone would keep track of their sheet and draw. Yeah. I just made an exalted character today and it has some complication and crunch to it. Yeah. So definitely I'm noticing a trend that games that are a little bit lighter, games that move that don't have so many moving parts um or mechanics are definitely going to be easier to play when you're not at a table. I also think that for hiking, it might be better to not have games that you're giving big long monologues. Yeah. I would rather do a simple dungeon crawl because it's very easy for me to say I shoot an arrow at the orc and I bet I can say that even if I'm out of breath on like a big long yeah. hard hike. Yeah. It'd be interesting to find a way to come up with a system where you could incorporate like rocks and stones and stuff around you on a hike into the storytelling. That might just be a thing that a good GM would do. That could be. That could be. Oh, a uh, Stranger Things or E.T. or thing with little kids on an exploration set up. Yeah, that'd be great. Yes. Reddit user Percussive Repair said he played uh, in a sunny field while camping with about 15 young kids, which sounds maddening to me. <laughs> sounds but fantastic. He says that, that while it took a while to communicate the concepts and ideas and roll characters, they eventually had a great time. That's great. So that's kind of power to you if you can play with that many people. Yeah. Okay, so how about uh, getting back indoors mm-hmm. where we belong, yep. but surrounded by a bunch of people? Yeah. Uh, rock, paper, scissors. I, I'm going to come back to, I like rock, paper, scissors as an alternative dice mechanic. Yeah, so Time Cellist is a game where you are children pulled out of time in order to help Yo-Yo Ma defeat a bad guy (laughs) that is going to destroy time. And it's played primarily through children's games. So we're talking about playing games at a party. 
Yeah. We've been doing a lot of this lately. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. It's because I've been doing a lot of working and then all of a sudden I did a lot of partying. Yeah, well, you know. I think I've had like six weekends in a row at this point that I've gone to a party of some kind. Which is not my speed. Yeah. But uh, partying is my speed. And sometimes I like to crank out games because people ask me questions like, what games can we play? And for a while I was super happy running Werewolf all the time. But that becomes maddening after a while, so I found a couple new ones. Oh, let's talk no. about factors that are involved. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say, so... Definitely Werewolf uh, is a classic party game, which if you have a group of friends like ours and people want to get into it, you can definitely roleplay more. Oh, yeah. I definitely um, run that as a GM. Describe everything. At this, yeah. At this point, our group of friends could probably play Resistance without the board or any of the tools. Oh, yeah. Totally. Just from memory. So games like that that are kind of easy bluffing games yeah. designed as board games could probably be played. There's, there's a big crossover where... There's a whole genre of games that you guys were talking about when you went on Riverhouse Games with Meg and oh, Taylor. Oh, yeah, these games that have gotten uh, passed about... down and are now being commercialized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, there are those games like Werewolf that you can buy cards for and stuff, but if you know the game well enough, you can play without them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what are some factors that we should consider for games at a party? Well, first, if you are of a certain age. Um, 21 or 18. Yeah, depending on your location. I think those are the two um, major numbers. People are going to drink alcohol, because that's what they do at parties. Yes. To lesser or greater degrees, depending on how old you are and what time it is. Yeah. But so that can't be a thing that gets in the way. Right. You want games that are... No, <laughs> very few people uh, who are a whole bunch of drinks in are going to want to do a very crunchy game. Uh, unless... Yeah, well, yeah. I need negative beers in order to play GURPS. Yeah. Like, I need performance-enhancing <laughs> materials. I don't know if there are performance-enhancing role-playing game drugs. My, my, but... I could not have my performance enhanced enough to play GURPS. Another factor that I really want to see in games that are played at a party is for it to be possible for people to drop in or drop out. Mm -hmm. Because if someone is sitting there playing a game and then the Olympics are turned on, they might want to go watch the Olympics. And that was definitely a thing that was pretty true of uh, Baron Munchausen. Yeah, that I thought went really nicely for that. We definitely had people who came in late and told a story, or people who left early because they got a sense of what it was and decided it wasn't for them. Uh, there were some people who were there and liked the idea of introducing facts or asking for stories, but were not themselves interested in telling a story. Because they just weren't something they were comfortable with. Yeah, as long as you've got a kind of a core group of people that you know are going to play the game kind of to the hilt, then you can have other people drop in or drop out and keep it very comfortably running. Yeah. Um, we talked last time about playing Dr. Magnet Hands, and that was definitely also a good party game. Yeah, I think actually we talked about <laughs> you joining in after the first part of the game was yeah. was set. <laughs> yeah. And so that and that worked out pretty well. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, you would have, um, if I had been around for that beginning sequence where you all write down stuff on paper, we would have had more slips of paper, right? Yes, we would have had more slips of paper. So more people would have had more skills and stuff to to work with rather than. Well, uh, I would have had more things to work with in okay. terms of the story building. 
But if you only had two people or three or four people playing, you couldn't have six people join because then the number of papers would be yeah, spread too thin. So there's not. definitely a hard limit to people joining late, but Yeah. But if you had a group doable. of three people join all at the same time, you could yeah. turn to them and you say, Okay guys, here's what you have to do. And roll up some new th- yeah. new stuff. Another game that occurred to me literally just now is something I don't know if it's out for purchase yet, but it's uh I hope it is because I want to get it real soon. Uh, Ghost Court by Jason Morningstar, which is a wonderful little, I'm going to say parlor LARP, without knowing a whole lot about LARPs, where you are a courtroom in kind of a Judge Judy style, but you are also ghosts. And so basically the entire commitment of the game is you sit down for a single, maybe... 10 minutes tops exchange between the plaintiff, the defendant, and the judge. And if you decide, yeah, this isn't for me, it's very easy to not be involved anymore. Or to sit in the audience and make boo noises and occasional ghost jokes (laughs) without actually getting involved. So many ghost puns. So many ghost puns. I know that it was just at, uh, that it was at Gen Con. Yeah. It's the only LARP I've ever played so far. It was by accident, but I enjoyed myself. We have uh, Alex Roberts and Megan Dornbrock to blame for that. Yeah. I think I think also games that are funny are maybe good. Mm-hmm. Because if you've got 20 people in the other room that are shouting and screaming, you don't want to be doing a tense character moment. Yeah, what what you want to be doing is more shouting and screaming. Yeah, you want to be shouting and screaming. Which is why those kind of like, which is which is why I think that the Adventures of Baron Munchausen works so well because you are sort of boasting and telling stories. Yeah, it ended up with us telling stories in loud voices and laughing together. I'm actually just I was just reminded of another of another game that I know that would be great for this. Yeah, Dan Enders wrote a game called Tavern Tales. It's still in prototype, and I don't know if he intends to do anything with it, but he 100% should. And so if you hear this and want to play it, send him a message, and maybe that will push him to put it out. But basically it's a an easy, quick storytelling game where players are members of an adventuring party that just got back from a big adventure. And you're bragging about how things went down, and it it's it looks like a lot of fun. I was hoping to get a chance to play it with uh, with Dan and Meg, That's cool. but unfortunately that ended up falling through. But I think that could also be a thing where people put on big voices and laugh and tell the story. There, are, oh, man, there are so many great moments in fantasy books, like just in in um, in the Name of the Wind in those books, oh. which are themselves just great, have full of great stories, and are about storytelling. There are so many great moments where the characters are in a bar or in a tavern telling stories about stuff that has happened. Uh, and, I mean, the whole thing itself is people in a tavern telling stories. Yeah. And so emulating that genre of fantasy specifically would be really cool. This next one I'm a little hesitant about. Okay. So it wasn't a thing that you or I had either really picked out. But when I was talking to people on Reddit, a lot of people said that they had some experiences playing in diners and bars. 
and I know some people who've played in bars personally. Um, you obviously wouldn't want to go to a like club loud music thumping type bar <laughs> because that would just not be the right uh, thing. But there was definitely a uh, like a lower key um, Irish pub that I hung out in in college. And they were definitely like you could pick, you could sit in a table in the corner, and and you probably could have played a, a, a role playing game without too many people looking at you weird. I know there are a lot of people that do this. I feel wildly uncomfortable with it. Yeah. But I don't have any judgment towards the people that do it. It's more just like <laughs> I feel like I know I'm a loud person. I think I'd have a real hard time. There was definitely I had a conversation with someone about. Uh, playing games in exposed places yeah. where people can see you and judge you and uh, jocks can come beat you up. <laughs> and and I, I don't know if that's too much of what you're getting at, but no, it's definitely... I don't have gamer shame. I just don't want to ruin anyone's dinner. Yeah. And so I don't really have any games specifically for this, other, but just some general suggestions. People said it was great for playing uh, cyberpunk games because you have that kind of loud, music-y ambiance of people talking. Okay, I can see that, I can see that. And then just the general tips of um, play and off during off hours. So especially if you're going to a restaurant or like a, a, like a diner, you don't want to be taking up a big table for eight hours during the, the dinner rush. Yeah. So go at like midnight when no one's there. That way you won't be disturbing anyone. And I think also, my personal feeling is better to go for to a bar. Yeah. Because if you're at a diner and you order your burger and you get some coffee, and then you just get coffee refills the rest of the day, that's not that's not great. Yeah. Like, yeah, a bar definitely works a little better. Because then at least you can keep buying drinks. But that goes into the last tip, which is tip. Um, if you are yes. being... <laughs> if you are being... Um, if you're if you're just consuming a a space that someone else could sit in and consume more things and spend money, then the least you can do is tip the waiter and pay them for being patient with you. Yeah, and like this might be so obvious, but don't be a creep. There are games that you should and shouldn't play if you're playing an R-rated or X-rated game. Yeah. Don't do that at Denny's. Monster Hearts is not the right choice. Vampire is probably not the right choice. Yeah. But sitting in the corner of an Irish pub playing Dungeon World would be a pretty cool game to play. And I would enjoy myself doing that, I think. I'm on board with that only if every character is a dwarf. Yeah. Okay. All dwarf party. But then again, I'm a bad person to ask because I wouldn't ever play anything that wasn't a dwarf. Right, so, that's fair, that's fair. Given the chance. Yeah. Um, but so, the the one thing that definitely people said uh, that I, I think I mentioned before is you can definitely get an ambiance by playing in places where there is other stuff going on. Right. So if you're playing a cyberpunk game and you're also to be in a cyber cafe or if you're playing in a a game that takes place in a fantasy tavern just be in in tokyo in the year 2050 yeah yeah um just go there now and it'll feel like that yeah and 
And so being around people definitely can help having background noise. It can be distracting, but it can also help lend that sense of ambiance. I actually thought when we were playing The Extraordinary Adventures of Baron Munchausen that it felt a little better having people walking by our group because it kind of added to the air of here we are hanging out. There were definitely some moments where people walked, someone walked in and said, what's going on? What are you doing? And then someone explained, oh, they're telling stories. And then they would just sit there for a minute and listen to our crazy stories and then move on. Which is great because that's exactly what we're doing. I love that game. and, And there was a mechanic... For, for, that was going on, but for most people, they didn't see that. They just saw people sitting around in a circle telling stories. Part of me wants to remove the mechanic yeah. and just do that past the stick. Yeah, you could probably do that pretty easily. Yeah. But so, continuing with the sense of ambiance, the other place that people said they played a lot were in boiler rooms, basements, back rooms, bathrooms. Someone said they played in a uh, a literal shed that was three meters by two meters um, during the middle of a, a thunderstorm. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And how that would be the greatest place to, pay, to play a Call of Cthulhu game maybe ever. Oh, no, for that you want like a deep, dark, abandoned library. Yeah, well. Um, Win some, so, you lose some. Yeah. And so some of those people were playing in basements and stuff because that was their... The, the place they had, or their yeah. buddy owned, was the manager of a restaurant, so they played in the boiler room of the restaurant. Um, but a lot of people like finding odd nooks and crannies in college universities to play, and finding that you can find those kind of creepy locations to play games like Call of Cthulhu, and, and, and have the ambiance of the actual place around you back up the ambiance in the story yeah i can definitely see that especially if you're playing with a game that has an enormous amount of feeling of darkness something like dread something like uh call of cthulhu yeah oh what's Um, that game there was a guy on reddit um whose username was sweet corrupter who told me a story about how back when he was in the army he and his tank crew in Bosnia would, uh, they were stationed at a checkpoint and they would play in a half blown up house and they would climb up to the second floor and sit around a table in a room that just kind of stopped and went off into open air. Oh my gosh, that is the uh, wildest thing. Yeah. People on Reddit had some weird places they played games. But that does remind me, when you buy expansion packs for Pirates of the Spanish Main, mm-hmm. that little, like, uh, card-foldy ship yeah. uh, pirate game. They came with, like, tiny, tiny little D6s. And apparently they were things that were coveted by people in the military and uh, just people who were on the move because they're very small. You can put, you can hide them in your shoe in case you're not supposed to have dice. Uh, and so if, if, if your one limitation is just that you need to bring dice somewhere... Sometimes finding small dice is doable. <laughs> That's great. Another person I talked to um, when I was talking to people on Reddit for games that can use the ambiance of the world around them, I spoke with uh, Stephen Dewey, who was another game creator, who created the game Ten Candles. And Ten Candles is definitely... like He and I both we uh, we reminisced about breaking into different old creepy buildings of our uh, alma mater back on reunions and stuff like that. We had a uh, 
uh, I went to Gettysburg and there's an old, uh, the, the theater department that I worked in when I was there is an old church and it's a big old creepy building and sneaking in there at night after hours would definitely be a cool place to play a creepy ghost game, which is what 10 candles is. Right. And 10 candles is, it looks so cool. I hadn't heard about it until the, uh, he explained it, but you sit around with, with 10 candles and your, your character sheets are just like you have three or four um, note cards with pieces of information on them. And as you use up different uh, skills, rather than tearing them up and throwing them away, you just light the, the, the card on fire and throw it into a, a pot in the middle. Ideal for camping. Yeah. And you, well, but one of the core sort of ambiance things is that as scenes go by, you blow out the candles, so as the game progresses, oh, things get darker and darker. Oh, good call, good Because call. it's designed to be played in a creepy, dark room that's only illuminated by these ten candles. Amazing. And then, it's a game where everyone is supposed to die in the end. Okay. Um, as you just as you discover the kind of creepy, Cthulhu-y, witchy, monster-y things that are going on. And so then the last character, like, the last thing that happens is the last survivor dies and you blow out the last candle. That's fantastic. And there's just the, the smoldering ashes of all your skill cards. That's so cool. Yeah, so that's definitely a game I want to play. The game I was looking for was Society of Dreamers by Matt Holter. It is a little game that you are in the early 19th century, and you're a group of, I think, generally young intellectuals called the Society of Dreamers. It's really interesting sounding. It has a kind of an investigation feel to it and maybe some dark Cthulhu vibes but the main thing is that you're sitting there discussing events from your past and you're literally sitting around a table discussing events there's one thing that there's one place that we actually played a game okay that was just kind of introducing a friend to the idea of role-playing games Mm -hmm. we played in the freaking ocean we did yeah uh, we were at the beach with a friend, and she was not really sure what any of this role-playing game stuff was. And so, basically what we did is I ran a PBTA-style, light-as-it-could-possibly-be game, where I asked, are you good at the task, do you have equipment that helps, and are you under stress? For each of those that it's a, a good answer, she gets a plus one. And for dice, I asked James and another guy who was there with us uh, for a number between 1 and 6 and added them together. And I tried to pick numbers randomly. But you could just as easily use little counters, even just little pebbles from the beach drawn out of your pocket. Or they sell inflatable dice that float on the water. (laughs) So That's a great idea. Is that not an amazing idea? I kind of feel like I want to get those and play like a legit game. Maybe a water-themed game. Water world. Uh, or exploring, like, Atlantis or something. Water world or Atlantis. Yeah. One of those. Next next beach trip. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Next yeah. year. Uh, uh, but that was, that was kind of the weirdest situation I'd ever... Yeah, that was about. kind of the starting point for this conversation we had of you had done yeah. this thing, and then we started thinking, eh, hey, was there something better we could have done? Well, how could you play it a game in, in that weird situation? What are other weird situations? And then we kind of ultimately got to this whole topic. Oh, well, there's also a couple of little games that can be played in literally any place. I'm thinking of yeah. 
Birds Are Amazing. Oh, yeah. That one you have to play out in, like, a park somewhere, don't you? I mean, you don't have to. You probably should. Really, anytime you're on a walk, or you could just play it anytime, I guess. But primarily, it should be played while on a walk. But we ran into the game when we were at Metatopia. It was literally, I think, a business card-sized game that I deeply regret not buying. Oh, I thought you did buy it. No, I didn't. We, we, that was, that was both, it was, it was in a little corner of Metatopia. It was that game, a couple others, and MFZ. And both those games I regret not going back to buy. But also any other kind of really light lasers and feelings or all out of bubblegum style game where you have one mechanic, you each have one stat, you're kind of rolling maybe one die. I think all out of bubblegum is one D10. Um, and yeah, all out of bubblegum. With with lasers and feelings, you're rolling more than one die, so that might not be as easy. But with All Out of Bubblegum, you're definitely only rolling one D10, and that wouldn't be too hard to do. Uh, someone on Reddit I spoke to said they played it just walking around the city um, with actual pieces of bubblegum in their nice. pocket. And with one die, just rolling on like doorsteps and stuff like that when they needed to. That's fantastic. I mean, really, with dice rollers, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Especially when you're not doing anything complicated, just rolling yeah. one dice. So that's kind of playing games in weird places. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot else left to do. I mean, there's dozens and dozens of other weird places you can play games. I didn't talk about all the stuff here. I certainly had a blast talking to people on Reddit and reading about all the bizarre places that they played games. Let's post a link to that um, in the show notes. Yeah, I will do that. Because I want to read that too. A couple of people said they played like during a wedding. Oh no. <laughs> This sounded like it was a it was a situation very similar to Rob's wedding, where it was a, a, a the ceremony and a reception in one location in someone's backyard, and then between the reception and the ceremony. Okay, that's they they played with the bride and the, oh, that's okay. Then. And the, the I was I was picturing yeah. if anybody has any objections to this marriage, I strike the orc's head <laughs> from his shoulders with my broadsword. Yeah, no, don't that's do different. that. Uh, yeah, so I got, that's all I've got. And, oh, you know what I yeah. do want to ask you? Which of these do you Go want ahead. to do? Hmm. I definitely want to play one of the... Play some game in a dark basement definitely. somewhere. That's definitely... Like, I want to play Tent Candles okay. now. I want to find a dark room somewhere or a creepy attic and play Tent Candles. Um, and I want to play Dungeon World in a in a bar. That sounds good to I, me. I think I would go for either of those. I would definitely do. You'd have to find the right yeah. bar. I'm I'm kind of interested in the idea of camping and playing some kind of game, but I'm still not 100% sure yeah. on it. Uh, and I super want to play Ribbon Drive in a car. Yeah. If we we, we were to, I mean if uh if we do go out into the woods sometime which I think we will. We could play one of the... Uh, yeah, we could play... I want to play the Slay You Imperfect Speakers around a campfire. I also want to play Dan's game. I feel like that would be great yeah. around a campfire also. You... you yeah, a lot of these You could games. pretend that there's like an NPC there that is like recently joined your party. Like you've got some laborers or something yeah. like that. And you're talking about your previous adventures as the crew around the campfire. I feel like that works nicely. Yeah. So, um... If you have other weird places you play role-playing games, hit us up. We would love to hear about them. We'd yeah. love to discuss them. If you've played any of these games, let us know. We've played a couple of them, yeah. but not all of them. 
Yeah, I had posted on the RPG Reddit asking about uh, stories for this podcast, but I'm going to keep posting there because I'm just kind of curious now and I want to learn more. You can check us out at our website, which is www.stophackandroll.com. You can also tweet at us where we are always on Twitter, at StopHackAndRoll, or contact us at either of our personal Twitters. I'm at Dr. Captain Cobalt. And I'm at End the Meltdowns. And you can email us, if that's your fancy, at either of our names, James or Brandon, at StopHackAndRoll.com. Also, we are on Facebook, so check that yeah, out. Yeah, we're on Facebook, and we have, like, nobody on Facebook. It's it's a little sad. But it means that if you're the kind of person who uses Facebook, you're only competing for our attention with, like, seven other people. So say something there, and Brandon Some will Some of them you. are people, most of them are people that I know also. So, like... You have a direct line to stop, back, and roll. How cool is that? We haven't really harped on this before, but we are on iTunes. So a couple people have been really gracious and written some reviews, and we appreciate that. I like to hear what you guys think about us. Um, I, I would personally much rather you reach out to one of us directly and have a conversation, but uh, rating us and writing a review on iTunes does supposedly help boost our, our visibility and helps us... Uh, show up in the itunes searches keep on keeping on guys we love talking to everybody it's been so exciting yeah. so i'm not i'm gonna get emotional yeah. if i start talking about it but it's been so exciting okay. getting uh people yeah. talking to us so when you're becoming emotional because you're walking into a deep dark place like a church or a broken down building in bosnia uh don't forget to stop hack and roll A pigeon's sense of taste is so powerful, they occasionally receive tastes from alternate timelines. That is true. Birds are amazing.